I think you can have your own opinions. People can think what they want about me and it can all be negative if they want it to be. But I just think when they share it on a public domain that is a place that they know that I'm going to see, it just feels cruel. And as you said, maybe it's because they don't see that human side of me. Maybe they think I'm protected because I must be used to it. Hello and welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart women who love dumb stuff. Today on the show, we're joined by the powerhouse that is Steph Claire Smith, or now Miller. Steph entered the public consciousness as a model and a wildly successful one at that. But since then, she's crafted a career that exists well beyond the modeling industry. Today, she's the founder of fitness app Keep It Cleaner, sunglass company Soda Shades, and bikini brand Midnight. She's the face of Bondi Sands, an ambassador for Adidas, and the co-author of a book too. And yes, she's still only 25. We sat down with Steph to talk about business, yes, but also the scrutiny of being in the public eye, her very recent and high-profile wedding, and the kinds of criticisms that hurt the most. Here's Steph. Steph Claire Smith, now Miller. <laughs> yes. Welcome to Shameless in Conversation. Thanks, guys. It's um, it's nice to have this in conversation. The first conversation was a little phone call. <laughs> it was a little phone <laughs> and call. And then back we had in the, the live day. one. Yep. I think. That was like episode eight, maybe yeah, it nine. Was early. It was very early. We did a phone call and it was one tiny segment on one podcast when Zara and I had no fucking idea what we were doing <laughs> any of the time. Thank you for making the time today. You oh, have been right. a long time supporter of the show and of us and we love what you do. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We start every episode in the same way, which is to say, what are you reading, watching or listening to at the moment that you would recommend to the people listening? Okay, I have a few. I, I thought of this on the way here because I was like, oh, wait, they're going to ask me. Like, <laughs> um, actually, I'm watching Morning Wars, which I'm really loving. Like, it's coming out once a week, though, um, but it's highly entertaining, um, really interesting. And I'm just a massive fan of Jennifer Anderson. So I think anything she's in, I'd thoroughly enjoy. It's um, super pacey, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And yeah, did you, are you watching it on, it's on Apple, right? Yeah. 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 Have you watched any of it? No, I feel so left out because we've had this recommended a couple of times and I always make a mental note to be like, I've got to watch that. Yeah. And then I just don't. I need to sign up for Apple. That's the thing you do need to do, but I would concur with that recommendation. <laughs> I concur. I concur. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> to give approval. <laughs> didn't realise these needed to be confirmed. <laughs> um, and the other thing, I'm only halfway through episode two, so it's very fresh, but Laura got me on to The Lighthouse, which she's also just started listening to as well, the podcast. Um, about the boy who went missing. I'm seeing that one in the charts. Yeah, it's. I'm finding it really interesting. Um, I don't know. I've never really listened to crime and everything on. I've, I've always heard that that's like a lot of people's favorite podcasts to listen to. So I've thought about it. But just the other day, Laura was like, "Oh, I'm, I'm actually finding it quite interesting." So I've been listening to that, and I get lost in my drives now because I'm so like so listening to the facts. <laughs> what happened? So he just disappeared. This boy. Yeah, he was a backpacker from Europe. He was 18. And it was like May this year, I think. And he, Byron. Yeah, in Byron. And he just went missing. Whoa. And we, I think they still don't know what happened. Like, I think it's not been found. And that's half the reason why the podcast came out. Because it's kind of like, you know, that staircase from Netflix. How yes. it's like trying to work out. And you had every episode, you're like, ooh, maybe this happened. Maybe that happened. I think it's kind of like that. But it's actually, obviously, um, there's no, we don't know what the answer is. I mm. think at the end, they don't really get to anything. But they're just trying to put as many facts out there as possible in case anyone listening knows anything more. Interesting. Yeah. Because it's very fresh to come out with a podcast about something that totally. happened so recently. Recently. Yeah. Especially with no answer. But that does sound very interesting. Yeah. I 
actually didn't put two and two together that that story was that podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably should have put more context behind <laughs> no, it. No, not at all. No, but it was more like, you know, when you see a podcast and you know a story and it's like, oh, that's why it's so popular. Yeah. We, the second question we always ask is, what was your childhood like? Childhood was great. Childhood was good. I grew up here in Melbourne. Um, I was sporty, confident, loved, was obsessed with my brother. Anything he did, I wanted to do. And I was a bit of a tomboy, but at the same time, I was obsessed with Barbies and Bratz dolls and Britney Spears. So it was still very much on the girly, girly kind of side. Britney Spears. <laughs> I, my sister once, this is such a tangent, but my sister was once in the bathroom at home and had cut herself her own Britney Spears fringe <laughs> and had left all the hair everywhere. And then I copied her and my mom was not very happy. Britney Spears was such a moment. She really was. And I always tried to sing like her and my brother and my dad was was just like you just don't apparently I would like be so nasally just like her and my dad was like if you're gonna look up to a singer please choose someone else to mimic but um no I, I had a great childhood really happy and my um parents were always super supportive of any, anything I wanted to do I actually did modeling when I was really young both me and my brother got into kind of childlike modeling and I was in like the Barbie mag and Target and Kmart and I just felt like the coolest kid in year six um, but I just, mum and dad got me into it because I was obsessed with the camera and I just was really confident kid and, and loved that sort of side of stuff. So it was a nice way to save up some money so that when I hit high school, I already had a bank account with some savings in it. And then I just held on to that, the love of the industry until I finished high school and I could finally get into it properly. Mm. Um, so I did finish school before I got into it. Um, and I was signed with Chadwick as soon as I graduated and yeah. Were your parents <laughs> or were you ever concerned about that industry and going into it really, really young? Like were there conversations that you had back and forth about what to prepare yourself for or what it could potentially put you through? Or did you go in a little blind and the naivety was a good thing? Definitely. We were all a bit blind to it. My dad was probably the most supportive. He always was um, kind of not pushing for the idea, but he he was really supportive when I told him I wanted to get into it. And mum was just supportive because she her message to my brother and I going through high school, especially those like VC is where everyone's putting pressure on like, what do you want to do? You really need to figure it out right now. Um, she just wanted us to be happy in what we were doing. It wasn't about money or like our inter score or it being like a super impressive job. It was just like, I want you to be happy. Um, and she knew how happy I was whenever I was modeling or I did it on the side whenever I was doing studio arts. I'd like put my hand up to be the model for someone else in my class. Like she knew it was something I was really, really interested in. So I just made a deal with them that if I was going to have a gap year, I had to have a part-time job as well as trying modelling. Like I couldn't just do that. Um, so I was working at Boost Juice at the time. <laughs> I was a Boost Girl. <laughs> were, you, were you a Boost Girl? No, but it was such a cool classic part-time job that it I was wish a really I had. Cool it was job a cool to have. one. Like, it, see, I'm sure you're about to look back being like, how dorky with the headband, but it's like, no, that was cool back see, in the day. See, I think my glory days were working at General Pants. Yeah. That's a cool job. It was yeah. a cool, and I went from spend less shoes to General Pants. Oh, that's it was like the good. biggest step up in the world. Totally. I had no cool part-time <laughs> jobs. I gave study skill seminars for three years <laughs> and I I worked at Cotton On Kids. Yeah, that's not too bad. Yeah, they were cute kids' clothes. Anywho, <laughs> I um I worked at Baker's Delight. That was my first job. So for, I was 14 when I started at Baker's Delight and I worked there till I was 18. Loved that. But um yeah, after that I did Supre, Osmosis and Boost. Oh, the retail Boost was years. The, the most fun, I think. Steph, we're going to get to your career beyond <laughs> Boost Juice in yes. just a second. Thanks. But I actually want to talk to you and Zara and I, when we were coming up with questions, we're like, you know what? We want to ask her a lot about Josh and about the wedding. <laughs> yeah. And the time of your life when you work at Boost Juice, that yeah. was around the time you met Josh or you got together. We got together around that time. So we met when I was 12. 
Wow. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about the love story? Before we talk about the wedding, tell us about your relationship <laughs> with Josh and yeah. the connection there. So my family, I grew up uh, spending a lot of my school holidays on the Murray River camping. And I remember this, it was about 13 years ago, my dad sat us all down as a family and kind of did an ultimatum of traveling overseas more because my, most of my family, both my parents originally from England, were overseas. So we got to travel a lot as kids. And he basically said, we can either continue to do that or we could buy a property up in the Murray River and we could go up there whenever we want. We could just go there for the weekend. We don't have to wait till we've got two weeks off and set up camp and everything like that. Um, and mum and Murray were against the idea, my brother. And I was like, yes, absolutely. I love it up there. It's my favorite place in the world. <laughs> but once my mum saw the property and Murray kind of got into the idea, we were all really excited and bought the property. It was in the middle of nowhere. Like it's not one of those towns like Echuca or Yarrawonga where a lot of people go on holidays and a lot of people camp. It's literally like I don't know what the population is of the town, but it's all farmers, um, middle of nowhere. So we bought a property up there. And the first weekend I was up there, I went horse riding and met Josh's little sister initially, Bailey. She was eight, so she's about four years younger than me. And we just got talking and I thought she was a local up there until she said, oh no, this property we're riding past, like my family just bought it. We're actually from Melbourne. I was like, no, that's funny. Same. So then she invited me over for lunch because I didn't have any friends up there. (laughs) And um, their family just slowly became our family friends up there every time we went up they were up every weekend we were up almost every weekend my brother was the same age as Josh so they got along um but instantly I had this major crush on him like I'm not even just saying that to put like fairy dust on our like story or anything it was literally I was obsessed with him from the get-go and throughout high school we both had other partners and had other relationships serious relationships but there was always something there um and my family all knew it (laughs) my mum definitely knew it um and all of my girlfriends like a lot of the girls in my bridal party who have known me for years and years and years they all knew it as well so I think when we finally got together I was 18 and um yeah everyone was kind of like yep saw that coming (laughs) but it was just nice because I was already so close with his family and knew all about his past and he knew everything about mine so it's like when you start dating someone and you need to work out the skeletons in the closet and all that sort of stuff there wasn't any of that so there was instant like trust and well you're friends first totally such a nice way to go about it Mm. it's an awkward question but what is it that you love about him so much but um he is an incredible listener um he's incredibly supportive and he's so funny and goofy he makes me laugh even when I'm pretending that I'm not laughing because I'm in a terrible mood and I just want to be stubborn and be angry at him I'm still laughing on the inside like he's just goofy and um there's so much I could list off, but they're probably like my main traits that I just love and I'm so attracted to. People might find it interesting that we're starting here because mm. I think it, I think it's important. Like you did just get married, so it's the most totally. recent thing that's <laughs> happened in your life. But I think we have had these conversations about love and relationships to the point where like it doesn't define you. It's not totally. the most important thing in your life. Like we stand alone, we're, we're good friends, we're good at our jobs. There are so many other things that define us. But I think in doing that, sometimes we fall away from actually having a conversation mm. about our relationships and love and how it actually can define find much of who you are particularly when you've been together for so long do you find that because you've been together from such a young age you almost don't know each other apart from each other no we definitely like I did a lot of growing in my relationships before him um it's I'm I'm glad we got together when we did we always kind of talk about like how it obviously could have happened earlier but we were happy that it didn't because I grew a lot as a person I think um I went through not the best relationships. Um, obviously, there was there's good points of every relationship and I totally love and respect my past partners, but they weren't the kind of relationships that I would want to be in, 
or that I'd want any of my friends to be in. Um, so I learned a lot and I grew up a lot. I was quite childish and I suppose naive and a bit silly in high school. There was immaturity in me was quite high. Um, but I think Josh helped me grow up a little bit. But at the same time, as I said, one of his major traits is that he's goofy and childish and doesn't have to take things seriously all the time. So it's not like, you know, I started dating Josh and we became some serious like <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. couple. Um, and we both at the very start of our relationship had to go through quite a lot. He was working in shop fitting industry. So he was working crazy hours, um, interstate a lot, was away a lot. I was just starting modeling. So we're both really busy and apart a lot. And then we had our time apart when... I moved to the States and he traveled the world with his mates. So that was 2014. That was in our second year, I think, if I'm doing the math right. That's a lot for any relationship yeah. to go through. <laughs> Lots of relationships break at that point totally. and don't get back together when it's that traveling period. Yeah, totally. And it, we did, there was that kind of, we had that conversation of like, are we going to separate during this period or do we just kind of like whatever happens, happens. And then when we get back, we can like get back together or like we had those conversations because we were still fresh in the relationship and it was a trip he had planned with his mates since high school. And I just, I don't know, for some reason I didn't want to be in my mind. I was like, I don't want to hold you back from like having fun or like feeling like you have to call me all the time. And then what I actually ended up finding out when I moved to the States was because I was trying to make that, you know, I was trying to have my career over there and build my career over there. And I was meeting people over there and networking and all that sort of stuff. Um, I had to focus on all that. And because of all the different time zones and him going out or whatever, it was really hard. You know, he'd call me when I was at dinner and I'd be like, I can't talk right now. But then he'd get frustrated because it's like, well, it's been like two days since I've been able to talk to you. And it became really difficult because I was kind of like, I can't go to sleep crying, missing you every night. Like I need to be able to kind of have you in the back of my mind. I love you, but I can't think about you 24 seven because it's really hard. And it was, it was really, it was probably the hardest thing we've ever done in a relationship. And there was a period there where five months, we didn't see each other at all. Still spoke. We never, we never parted. We never separated or anything in the end. We made it work, but yeah, it was really hard. And I think even coming home was hard because we'd been, we'd then gotten used to not being together. <laughs> so then he annoyed the shit out of me <laughs> um, and vice versa. So then that was interesting as well. But I think it was a really big growth period for us. And shortly after that, we then moved in together and yeah, we just, we'd been through it all kind of thing. <laughs> do you think it's kind of important for couples that do start dating younger rather than come together mm. once they've experienced a lot of things to make an effort to travel separately or to do the really hard things and make the hard decisions and, and try to be independent? I personally do because I grew a lot from it, definitely. Um, obviously, everyone's different and people could do what they like, but um, I'm glad we had that time. We both, it, it, I mean, mum always says, you know, distance makes the heart grow fonder and all that beautiful stuff. It doesn't always. Obviously, a lot of people break up, as you said, Michelle, but um, for us, it, <laughs> it, like sometimes it just shatters it. Absolutely, absolutely shatters it. Um, but for us, it worked. Like, it, it made us stronger. It made our trust and our bond stronger in each other. And it also helped me be individual up until moving overseas I was still living at home mum was still doing half my washing and I mean I was cooking a bit with her but you know when you live at home the stuff I left around the house or whatever you know it was just I didn't have that independence so moving over to a place like New York and living in a one bedroom studio apartment by yourself um, as a 20 year old was uh, there was a lot of growth there so I was glad that I got to do that without him Mm. yeah fast forward to now you got (laughs) married what two weekends ago three weekends ago and it was one of the most beautiful weddings. I'm not even just saying this. Like the photos yeah. of you guys saying your vows to each other and the way everything was set up, it just looked stunning. Thanks. How was the day, first of all? Because I'm sure 
almost everyone listening to this podcast would have seen images on mm. social media or in Vogue mm. or <laughs> in the places they were on the internet. How was it? It was amazing. It was it was like there's stresses that do come up um, without a doubt and I thought I was this super chilled, laid back bride and that like nothing was going to worry me but the hours before the ceremony something switched in me <laughs> and I just suddenly became anxious. Like I remember Laura was making a coffee at like one or two o'clock in the afternoon just to kind of pep herself up but I was shaking. It's like I, I'd had some like weird... It's like I was anxious and but not stressed, not like too emotional, but I was like full shaking. And I was like, I don't think I can have a coffee right now. Otherwise, I think I'll shoot through the roof. Like I'm just, I just need the ceremony to be now. Like I was getting really <laughs> jittery and it wasn't that I was nervous about anything. I've known for ages that I want to marry him, spend the rest of my life with him and all that. But it was just months and months of planning this thing and it's finally here and all these people that you've known for your whole life are here to watch this thing it's such a weird thing and I think that concept only hits you right before it and um the funny thing is is my brother my mom and my dad and I were in the car together on the way from our property to his before the ceremony which I really liked because it kind of took me back to the old days when my I did stay at my property because nowadays when I go up there with him obviously I just stay with him at his property but back in the day, I would stay at our property and me and Murray would always be like, can we go to the Miller's house? Like, <laughs> let's go over there. And so driving over there together was really beautiful. And I thought it was going to be this really special moment with the family. But I was so anxious that it was like quite, quite silent <laughs> and really slow because we couldn't like get too much dust up with the cars. So it was like this really... So... Oh, I wonder if they know if they're going to be singing on time or like I don't, I don't, everything was going through my mind. Like it's so, you wanted this like sentimental car moment. At this <laughs> <laughs> totally, it was still special, but I think I thought it was going to be this like emotional, like family, like oh, look, think about the past kind of thing. But we were all just, I think, keen to get there. Um, <laughs> get this done. Yeah. Knowing that you have 1.5 million people following you personally mm. and then probably a whole bunch who might not follow you but mm. have eyes on the wedding anyway because they know it's happening. <laughs> uh, and add that fact that people just tend to scrutinise totally. online, particularly weddings. There's something about weddings that people get so judgmental about. Was that ever a thought that went through your mind before the wedding that people are going to watch this and people are probably going to have opinions. And even though it doesn't matter, mm. would, would that annoying. Ever, yeah, it's annoying and would that affect you? The funny thing is, is I didn't, I, I honestly did not even think about what anyone else was going to think about the wedding. Like the wedding was what we had always imagined. Um, we've been working with the girls over the year on all the plans. So we did have wedding planners, but it was our vision that we'd always had together. And Josh is really into planning events and everything. So he was heavily involved and it was exactly what we'd always pictured, but we never planned it that way for, you know, people to view it and see it as a beautiful wedding. I mean, I'm glad people think it's beautiful. It's really nice for you to say, Michelle, but um, it was just for us, that was, that was like the epitome. That was like our perfect wedding. We couldn't believe we actually did it and that it turned out perfectly. Um, I think it was. I think it's a bit unfair. Weddings getting scrutinised. Mm. Things like you know, floral choices or like food or the way things are set or the dress that you choose and all that sort of stuff. I think weddings are so personal, and until you plan one yourself, maybe maybe that's when people realise that they shouldn't have an opinion on it. And it's also about love. Totally. Like I know that's very earnest of me to say, but, but it is. it's a party. But it's a party about love. Totally. And it's also not a choice that. You, Steph, are making for other people. Yeah. Lots of people when they said, oh, we should put some pampas down because that'll that'll get us like all the views and people will really like that. Like it did not go through our minds whatsoever. But also people saying, I wouldn't wear a two-piece dress. It's like, 
yeah. cool. It's yeah. good that you're not totally in the photo then wearing a two-piece dress. And I'm not going to lie, when we were doing the dress design, I've always known that I wanted to do a two-piece dress. Like, scroll back on my phone four years ago before we were even engaged, I had dresses saved and they were all two pieces. Um, it's me as well. I constantly am wearing my sports bra with my leggings without a top on. I'm constantly wearing crop tops. Like, I just... I like to, that's my style. And when I could see it look really beautiful in a wedding dress and it was still classic, but that kind of tied back to my personality. I loved that. And anytime I showed someone close to me, they were like, that is so you. Like that, that's just you to a T, that dress. Um, I didn't care that it's not everyone's choice. Your wedding dress doesn't need to be everyone's choice. Your wedding dress is your wedding dress for a reason. No one else has to wear it. Um, so yeah, I didn't, I knew that I was going to get comments about it because it's different. But I didn't care. Like I was like, I don't care that negative is going to come from this because at the end of the day, I felt the most comfortable in that out of all the dresses I tried on. So It's so interesting. I wonder what your take is on this because as Shameless has grown and we are nowhere near 1.5 million followers, <laughs> but this year, something that has shown me is that the bigger that we get, people from the outside probably feel like we are more insulated or mm-hmm. we're more confident with things that we do or that protected. they can take more pics at us or c- criticize us more and that we are protected, Zara, totally. like you said. If anything, I feel the opposite. Mm. I feel like the bigger the audience gets, the more I feel exposed and vulnerable and scared. Mm. Do you feel the same? Do you think people feel like they can openly criticize you or openly analyze choices that you make and put that in a public domain because they think you're protected? And do you feel protected? Yeah, I think people don't realize how normal (laughs) we are. Like Laura and I are as normal as you two, we're as normal as freaking the biggest supermodel I don't know in the world like everyone's normal you're just your career's gone a certain way or your following's gone a certain way or whatever that doesn't matter you're still a person and I think at the end of the day people need to if you're not going to say something to that person's face in their face don't say it online I think I think you can have your own opinions people can think what they want about me and it can all be negative if they want it to be but I just think when they share it on a public domain that is a place that they know that I'm going to see it just feels cruel and as you said maybe it's because they don't don't see that human side of me. Maybe they think I'm protected because I must be used to it. And to a certain point, I am. I'm totally used to it, and I do ignore it because it's it's been happening for years for me. Um, my following started growing seven years ago, so it's been a slow thing for me, and I have had to get used to it. And so it's fine. But that's not to say there isn't bad days where little things do get under my skin, and I'm just like, how can you say that to, about somebody, regardless of whether it's about me? Just how? Does someone say that? Well, that's what I find interesting. After all the success that you've had, what criticism does hurt the most or mm. what hits the most? Uh, I think when people question my motive or um, it, it's more about what I do. Like, for example, back in the day when I was, when modelling was my 100% focus and I just wanted to be a Victoria's Secret model and that was the be all or end all. If so- Good luck with that. It's been yeah, canceled this year, Steph. I know. You backed the best horse. <laughs> Business. <laughs> totally. Exactly. But honestly, that was like my number one goal at one point. And so that meant that my other goal was to look a certain way and it was all about my physical appearance. So if someone criticised my physical appearance, back then it really did affect me. Um, as I said, I can have off days these days where it still affects me, but because it's not my main focus it's not my priority in life now it's it doesn't bother me and people can say whatever when someone scrutinizes the business or a certain decision I've made a personal decision even that's when I'm like do you have the right to have an opinion on that I don't know and do you have the right to share it I don't I definitely don't think you do Mm. um yeah do you suspect it's 
a little bit of tall poppy syndrome, particularly some of the sentiment around what you wore to your wedding. Do you think sometimes it's tall poppy? Yeah, I, I think so. I think when I've heard you guys speak about it before, I like feel myself nodding along to those podcasts when you're mentioning tall poppy because I definitely think it's a big thing, particularly in our industry here in Australia. Um yeah, I wish it wasn't a thing, but maybe I mean, it's maybe tricky to talk is. about as well because as soon as you talk about tall poppy, people are like, oh, well, you clearly are arrogant enough to think totally. you're... And then you, it's you like tall poppy all over again. 100%. Exactly, exactly. It's like tall poppy square. <laughs> but like the funny cycle thing, of tall poppy. But it's true because the new and upcoming people do not get scrutinised nearly as much as the people who are kind of have been there for a while or have been being successful for a while. It's true. Like everyone is there to support people who, which is great, I reckon 100%, startup businesses, all that of stuff should 100% be supported but it's like why does that mean that someone that's been around for a little while is suddenly not supported mm. it's mm. weird I don't know yeah it's almost like the novelty of you has worn off yeah. I'm tired of you now <laughs> yeah. and now we're just going to come for you coming up on the show what Steph wants most out of the next few years but first a word from our sponsor I think one of the natural intrigues about you and keep it cleaner is your relationship with Laura, for sure. <laughs> Laura Henshaw, your business partner, but also your maid of honour. Yeah. Um, it is and must be an incredibly unique relationship. What is that relationship like? Like, what don't people see? Yeah, it's a sisterhood, honestly. Like, she annoys the crap out of me daily, <laughs> but I love her so much. Like... It's funny, we always talk about how if we met in high school, we probably wouldn't have been friends because we were very different in high school. But um, I think we're just the yin and yang. There's so much of us that is so similar and we're on the same page with majority of things. But there is also so much that makes us different and unique. Um, But I think the biggest thing is that we respect each other so much and love each other so much and want the best for each other. So that's just how our relationship has worked really well business-wise, but then it's also blossomed into such a beautiful friendship. What kind of effect has she had on you since you've become really close? She's made me a more positive person, 100%. I was always a really like glass half empty kind of person and was really quick to think negatively or whatever. That's surprising. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, like I've always been a bit bubbly person and like I've always been fun and all that sort of stuff but I was a bit like I was a bit bitchy in high school and a bit like narky or whatever but Laura's made me see the positive in people but I think it's also helped vice versa I've helped Laura become a stronger person you know if she doesn't want to do something she doesn't have to say yes that sort of side of stuff so we've definitely helped each other out but my biggest thing I've taken from Laura is how beautiful she is and how she treats everyone and how positive she is with every single person she meets. And that's, yeah, probably my biggest takeaway with her. How do you guys deal with conflict? Because running a business is interesting, mm. coming from someone who is doing it with one of their best <laughs> friends as well. I keep seeing you guys like daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Everything you're saying, I'm looking and pointing at Zara. Um, one thing that we've dealt with a lot this year is when we disagree on something, how to navigate that. Mm. Do you guys ever disagree? Yeah, we do. But we still respect each other's opinion enough to listen and hear each other out. And then if we are ever at a point where we just kind of keep kind like, oh, well, I still think this or I still think it's that. It's so awkward when you're just going around in circles and like, yep, I'm still on my side. Yeah. And, that, and then for us, it's more like, okay, well, let's measure just between us who's clearly more passionate in this moment and that person wins. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and sometimes it is about that. It depends on the topic we're talking about. But um, also we're so lucky now that we have a team. Mm-hmm. So we have Put it to a, a lot of ideas. <laughs> oh, honestly, we're like, what do you guys think? And then they'll tell us the answer. And then and then it's not like we have this resentment afterwards. You know, if one of our options isn't chosen, we're not like, oh, 
whatever. We're like, okay, well, if that's what everyone else thought, then it's probably the right decision. You know, we both totally understand that we have the same goals for the business. Um, We've got our team there um, and they specialize in all those different areas that we might not have those strengths in. So when we put them, when we put our disagreements out there to them or things that we just, it's not disagreements either. It's not like we're like, hmm. No. It's like, just it's difference of opinion. Just different opinions, totally. Yeah, which come up all the time when you're running a business together and there are like a million t- decisions You can't to agree make. on everything though. And because and the thing is, is like with a business, I mean, as, as you guys have said through your community, when people share their opinions, they're not always going to match yours. So it's kind of healthy to have that disagreement already happening within the business because then by the time you actually decide on something, you know that that was right for the business and that's moving forward. Whereas if you're always agreeing on everything, it's like you're not ever seeing the other side. So mm. when people kind of bring it up, you're like, well, not even they don't even know anything. It's, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's all valid, really. Steph, you're the co-founder of three businesses, <laughs> fitness brand, Keep It Cleaner, Sunglasses Company, Soda Shades, Swimwear Line, Midnight Co. What has surprised you about becoming a businesswoman? What do you love about it? Uh, I never thought I would have my own business, let and alone got three. be a part of a few for sure. Uh, I think what surprised me is how into it I am. Although I say I never imagined it, but I think that was only because my eyes were so set on modeling. Like I was always a leader. I loved being, you know, the captain of a team or the captain in school. And I loved teaching people things and kind of being, yeah, a leader in some way. So that kind of makes sense into then being a boss or whatever, or being a part of a business. But I was so distracted by modeling that I just thought that was the be all and all. That was what I was going to do. So when things like this came up, it was exciting because it was a bit different and I didn't know how I was going to go with it. But I've, I've really surprised myself and I'm, I'm proud of myself. Like it's been awesome journey and I'm constantly learning. I don't know everything. I didn't go to uni in the end because I dove so deeply into the modeling industry straight away I always thought that you know when I figured out exactly what I wanted to do I'd go back and do it and I'm so happy if that still happens as a mature age student but I just I know my brain my brain throughout high school if I was slightly disinterested in something it switched off Mm. um so I just I wanted to wait and the good thing was my parents were always supportive of that as well but when it came up to things like building businesses and building relationships and everything, there was so much that I had learned through the industry of modeling because you're working with different brands and adults in so many different ways every single day. There is things that you learn and I've kind of learned that, yes, there is so much important things and there's definitely jobs out there that you 100% need to go study for, like without a doubt. But there is other ways to get to things and I think I'm really glad and proud of myself of how far I've come in doing that because I think when I first told people that I wanted to get into modeling when I was in high school, I was vain and cocky and it was going to go nowhere for me and that I really should set up a backup plan or whatever or study on the side and all this sort of stuff. I got a lot of scrutiny. So I'm really happy that it's worked out for me, I suppose. And I'm just along for the ride. I'm so keen to learn more and be better and grow more and yeah, with each of those businesses, there's different parts that I'm involved in and it's cool to see them doing their thing. <laughs> what are the bad days like? Those moments yeah. that get you, like what are they like? Because running a business and also being very public about that can't be easy. What it, what are those times like? Oh, without a doubt. And I think the most stress I go through is what I put myself through. But I think sometimes it's hard because I was a full-time model for so long and I was working maybe four or five shoots a week. The days off, 
I literally did nothing. Like I might go to the gym, I'd make Nutella on toast, I'd take my dogs for a walk, like I'd watch a movie or Netflix all day. Like I had no other responsibilities <laughs> other than the job that I was booked for on the next day. So that was a very different lifestyle to now very rarely finding time to do any of that stuff. And now I have to make time to do that stuff. And I do. And I feel like I've got into a good pattern now where I have got that balance and I can still do things that I enjoy, but I just have so much passion and drive for the businesses that I'm a part of that I still am working a lot of the time. They bleed into everything. Yeah. Like I have one business and it just consumes <laughs> you. Especially when it's an online business. Yeah. Like you, you can't switch off when your community is always switched on and you want to be a part of that and you want to always be checking in. But I think what I've found is that I put a lot of pressure on on myself and I absolutely have days where I just break down or I'll just come home in the foulest mood and you know as I said earlier like nothing Josh does like I just can't put a smile on my face even on the inside if he's slightly making me feel better it's like I've just put so much stress on myself that I feel like I'm not doing enough or that I'm not being as good as I should be or I think one thing that I did actually, and this is going to be funny because I no doubt about it, Laura's going to listen to this episode. <laughs> but one thing is we've had a chat in the past about it because there was a period where I was really concerned of what she was thinking about me. And I think that just happens when you have a business partner and you have different strengths and you're doing different things in the business that you feel like, shit are we on balance like I thought we were but then I was kind of like oh but what if she doesn't think that what if she thinks I'm not doing enough or if there's just something that I'm not doing right or wrong and so I we had to have a conversation about it because it got to a period where I was talking to everyone else about it and they were like have you even spoken to Laura about it (laughs) we finally spoke about it and she was like are you kidding like just don't even worry about it and then that made me feel a little bit better but I think it's still one of those things that in high school I was scrutinized because my strengths were in you know, PE and health and studio art and food tech, which is funny because it's exactly what I got into (laughs) in the end. But I was terrible with numbers. Uh, I dropped out of maths as soon as I could. Science, I never understood. Um, And even English, like I I liked it. I like kind of like storytelling, but I just, yeah, it was more the kind of, I suppose what people used to call fun subjects that I was really good at and that I gravitated towards. And so as a businesswoman, I'm much more into the creative side of things, creative direction or visual things and all that sort of stuff and and just being a part of everything. But when it comes to the numbers and data side, I really have to, I like really struggle with it. Like I really have to concentrate um, and I do want to be a part of it. I want to understand it all. It's really important too. But it's it's harder for me. Whereas like for Laura, she lives that for that stuff. She loves numbers and like loves under- – she checks our, our different um, metrics and all this different stuff that we check for for data, like an analytics almost daily. She just loves it. And um, so sometimes I like compare myself, I suppose, in that way. And I think I just have to keep getting to a point of reminding myself that that's not – what I should be doing. Yeah, your strengths are different. And and that's exactly the point about Mm. running a business together is having those really different strengths. Totally. It wouldn't work if we both had the same strengths. How do you go with saying no to things? Because you are very in demand and you've been really (laughs) in demand for a long time. I can imagine it would be very tempting to heap your plate, particularly if you've had pressure in the past when you were growing up to be like, modelling's not going to work out, it's very short term. I can imagine the mentality would have been, I need to say yes to things now because eventually they'll dry up. Do you struggle to say no to things and do you struggle to put yourself first? Not anymore. I did for a while, but because so much of my time and energy goes into things like kick, I just can't, I can't afford to. There is things that I 
will say yes to because I generally am excited about working with that brand. Th- things like dollar numbers aren't the the focus anymore to saying yes or no to it. It's really like, do I really want to align myself with this person or am I really passionate about that? And does that excite me? If it excites me, then yes. So the cool thing with my modeling now, because I still love it. I still love being a part of the industry. Sure, I went through some shit and that was bad and annoying, but I learned and grew a lot from it. And there's still things that I really thoroughly enjoy about it. So still having my long-term contracts like bras and things and Bondi Sands and getting to do those campaigns, I still get that excitement up. But like... The other stuff that I would have just said yes to in a heartbeat back in the day, I'm like, absolutely not. I have no (laughs) interest or excitement whatsoever. So it is easier to say no now. And I think that's just because my priorities have shifted. Talk to us about credibility, because I think when you make the transition from like model to Mm -hmm. influencer to then businesswoman with, you know, a stake in three separate companies, I imagine credibility is something that you have to navigate. What was that like convincing people, I'm just not a face attached to this brand. I am the core of this brand. Yeah, it was different. I think I struggled with it a lot in the beginning. Laura and I used to talk about it all the time and we, were, we would just get frustrated if we got put in an article and it was like these two models or Instagram influencers have done this. And it was like, okay, well, when is people going to start calling us entrepreneurs or like businesswomen? Because that's what we do daily. Like we're in an office and we have a team and all that I've witnessed it firsthand. <laughs> I think I said this when we did a sports girl panel earlier this year, but I did the copywriting on Kick mm. when you guys first launched with your mm. new program late last year. And you guys are so in the business, mm-hmm. very much so. So yeah. for anyone to think that you're just the face of the brand is bullshit because yeah. even looking at your calendar on the wall, I'll never forget. I looked and like, every day for the next two months was booked up with you guys with meetings and travel and all this stuff for the business so it's a lot yeah yeah it is and I think for a while it mattered to us what people thought about on the inside or thought how hard we were working but then it got to a point where we realized we knew how much how hard we were working or how much we were doing and that's kind of all that mattered to us as long as we were proud of ourselves and kept kind of patting each other on the back it didn't really matter what anyone else thought so I'm less fussed now like you know if I still get called just like a model influencer in some article whatever like I know I'm more than that or whatever and and it's not that that's not much like when I was an influencer and a model I was working really hard as well like there's it's not that I have this you know negative connotation attached to to that idea of being that person it's just that I know that there's a lot more that we do and it's just Sometimes you crave that respect from people. But yeah, it's it, I'm over it now. <laughs> I'm over it. What do your best days look like? Uh, just like a day in the office where nothing goes wrong, which is rare. Like when you have <laughs> 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 No, but like obviously there's other things included. Like it starts off with a walk with the dog, with Ari. Who and- is sleeping near your yeah. feet right now. Oh my now. God, we've had a dog in the studio the entire time who hasn't made a peep. <laughs> He's That's so a good. world record. Yeah. <laughs> He's good. Um, he, I'm surprised actually, like randomly he'll, he should shake, but he'll be fine. Um, <laughs> but at least you guys know now. Um, yeah, it starts off a really slow morning where I'm with Josh and Ari and I just get a coffee or it's something really relaxed. And then I go into offi- into the office and see Laura and the team and we have a really good day and nothing goes wrong. And then I end the day with like popcorn and chocolate watching something on Netflix. Like that is my ideal kind of day these days. And it's not that, you know, because things are going wrong all the time. So it's not like, you know, every day at work is hell now because things go wrong all the time. It's still fun and exciting. And I think what we've learned through things going wrong is that it's not the end of the world and we can get through it together and whatever has happened, we can fix it. Um, 
But yeah, that's probably the most ideal. I'm waiting for that day. That'd be great. <laughs> that day could come. <laughs> I relate to you on that. Steph, <laughs> what is next for you? What's your big picture goal? I would be lying if I didn't mention the fact that I'm continuously thinking about having a family and having babies. Like I've been the most maternal person since I got my period. I just can't wait for that moment in my life. And I think that's why I've been so hungry to work super hard in my young 20s because all I wanted to do was be a young mum and like fully set myself up so that I could have a bit of flexibility when that time came around. I definitely will always work. Like I love work so much, but I also want to have a lot of time during that period when I have a kid and have a lot of time with that kid. I don't ever want to feel like, you know, each to their own. Some people love work way too much to um, ever give up so much of it, but I definitely feel like with me, I'm so hungry for that time of having a baby that I'd want to spend so much time with it. And so I think that's that's definitely in our minds, but at the same time, there's so much I want to do with Kick and there's so much we want to do with soda and stuff. So it, it's, it's still in the back of our minds, <laughs> but it's there. <laughs> Why do you think you are so maternal and always have been? Because I feel like it's a, a, a specific type of person, right? Mm. Do you think it's because you're really close to your family or that? Like, I'm really genuinely interested. Yeah. I couldn't feel less maternal. In yeah. fact, I think I'm getting less maternal <laughs> as are, I get older. You are not very I maternal. So. I am. Slight, I love I'm babies, maternal. but yeah. I don't want my own. Totally. So what is it about kids that you've always wanted or what is it about being a mum that you've always wanted I think you're right on the money when you're talking about family like I mean, it's not that you know I'm sure there's plenty of people there that were super close with their yeah, family it's like you've clearly got family issues because you don't want your own <laughs> no, 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 no. definitely not saying that but I had an awesome relationship with my brother and my mum and dad growing up and I've just always envisioned myself as a mum like I just always saw that it was actually when I got polycystic ovaries a few years ago and I had to have precancerous cells also like taken out of my cervix all this sort of stuff happened it was a really scary time for me because I lost my period and I actually bawled my eyes out at the thought of it being hard not it being impossible but it being hard to get pregnant that idea scared the living daylights out of me so I think ever since I've been able to get my period back and I'm regular and everything's all good now I mean as far as we know we haven't tried or anything so who knows but I think that's kind of sp- re-sparked that maternal like, oh, okay, I, I do really want it because it scared me um, to the point where I was like, mm, no, yep, it's definitely something I'm keen for. And just the idea of being a young mum is is something that I'm, I'm really into. I want to be young and super energised and, and fit and, and everything and I want to be alive for as long as my kid's life as possible, I think. I think I knew a lot of girls in um, primary school who had really older, older dads, um, not always older mums but like older, older dads and I just kind of think back to that now thinking like they'd be like my grandpa's age now, mm. you know, and I just I really want to be as youthful as I can through the majority of my kid's lives. I don't know, it's a weird thought. No, <laughs> it's nice. And I do think there's something interesting about having a really young fertility mm. scare, which a lot of young women don't talk about because yeah. there's no place for them to talk about yeah. it. But that does put it into perspective a little bit because I think I have endo and yeah. I remember when they said to me, like, it could be hard. And I've had this conversation with you before. If I fell pregnant now and they said, this is kind of your only chance, yeah. you kind of do it. Yeah. But I think it does put a strange sense of perspective around it. Oh, 100%. 100%. And I've got a friend who's got endo quite bad and, and also poly on top of that. 
and she's almost in the mindset that it's going to be impossible for her. So I know for a fact if she was to get pregnant, she'd have it because she just is that she's still keen for her, but she's trying not to be too excited about the idea because it might not be possible. Mm. But yeah, I don't know what it is inside me that has just always been there that I just love. Love kids. <laughs> I can't wait. It's a good way to be. Yeah. Steph, all of that in mind, we finish every In Conversation episode with the same question, which is what is success to you? Oh, it's like I feel like every time I listen to these episodes, I hear like the best answers ever. But for me, I, I just it's super corny. I think if I can live the majority of my life super happy and happy with how it's all gone, um, you know, even through the ups and downs of life, whatever it throws at me, if I can grow old and, and understand that I kind of lived my life the way I wanted to and I was doing what I wanted to and not what anyone else wanted me to do, I'll be happy and I'll feel like that would be a pretty successful life. Steph, we are so thrilled that you made the time for us today. Thank oh, you. Thanks. Thank you. I've heard some stuff on this episode that I had no idea about. Yeah, there you go. You and <laughs> I really appreciate it. I think you're great to be interviewed. So thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Steph. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this In Conversation episode of Shameless with Steph Miller. If you'd like to see more from her, assuming you're not one of the 1.5 million people who follow her already, you can find her on Instagram at Steph Claire Smith. As for us, well, we're at Shameless Podcast. Oh, and if you did love this episode, you will love the one we did with her co-founder, Laura Henshaw, earlier this year. We will put the link to that one in our show notes. That is it from us, though. We will see you guys on Monday. Oh, hi, it's Annabelle Lee and Louis Hansen here. We are your hosts of Everybody Has a Secret. Woo, woo, we are here essentially just to let you know that we drop episodes every week now, every damn Friday morning. We are in your ears. That is so exciting. What a time <laughs> to be in your ear holes. So essentially each episode we unpack the real life secrets of our listeners. So this is for everyone who loves, you know, just a little bit of gossip in mm-hmm. their lives, which let's be real, Annabelle, is all of us. It's absolutely all of us. Don't lie. You all love gossip. So if you want to listen to our show, please do head to your favourite podcast app and listen now. See you there. Bye.